Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Harlow White Healing Stream, the official podcast of Pastor Harlow White and the Harlow White Ministries Outreach Church. We are happy that you follow and support this podcast. This podcast is to unveil the archive of the kingdom message that God the Father poured into Pastor Harlow White in the 1980s. We release new messages every Monday morning, and the archive of messages relates to you and in our world today. We pray that this podcast is a blessing to you. This is part two of Who Are the Two Witnesses, originally delivered in February of 1982. A very powerful message from God that is still very relevant today, almost 40 years later. This message is related to a recent message that was delivered on September 5th and September 6th of 2020, Sodom in Egypt. Pastor Harlow White went into expansive detail on the significance of Sodom in Egypt from a spiritual perspective. This message here goes into detail about who are the two witnesses in which the two witnesses are closely emphasized in the message about Sodom in Egypt. Pastor Harlow White expounds more in detail about the two witnesses, and it is very relevant today. Before we start the message, let's hear from Pastor Harlow White and what he has to say to you today. Welcome to the Harlow White Healing Stream broadcast. I'm Pastor Harlow White. God ordained my life to be a prophet to people of every nation. God has given me a message that will bring salvation, joy, healing, and prosperity to your life. Powers of evil spirits and curses can be broken from your life as I minister this message today. This message is going to every nation on the earth from 72 satellites. Let faith rise up in your heart as I give you this message. Be healed. Be delivered. Be set free. As you feel God doing a miracle in you today, I want to hear from you. Visit my website, HarlowWhiteHealingStream.com. That's H-A-R-L-O-W-H-I-T-E, HarlowWhiteHealingStream.com. Give me your testimony of what God has done for you through the message I have delivered to you today. I want you to pray about making a donation on my donation page, or you can write to me. That's Pastor Harlow, H-A-R-L-O, White, W-H-I-T-E, Pastor Harlow White, Post Office Box 4695. Post Office Box 4695, write that down. Chicago, Illinois, 60680. Get ready to receive what God has for you today. And now go with me into today's message. That's why we're in the mess we're in today. Let me go back again. The devil is working in all three systems, political, Ecclesiastical, which is the church system, and commercial, which is the trade system. That's why nobody can handle inflation. Nobody can solve it. It'll never be solved for the world because the devil is behind it. Why is he behind it? He's pushing the nations to one government. 
and one church system. That's why he's behind the trade system and no one can solve it. Now we've got the proposal of the new government system that the president has offered. And there is no solution. There's no way to solve it. Why? Because behind it the devil is pushing the people toward his government power. Now the purpose behind it is, let me reiterate once again, is to try to stop the church and to stop the message. So let's go back to the book of Revelation chapter 11 and read. Now remember in Bible prophecy, a thousand two hundred and three score days or sixty days, a thousand two hundred and sixty days can be three and one half years. It can be a thousand two hundred and sixty years. It can be forty two months. It can be a period of three and one half years. That's Bible prophecy language. And remember this, Jesus ministered for three and one half years. His bride has to match him. His bride has to be just as powerful as he is. Oh, come on now. He is not going to have a church that is inferior to himself. His bride will be equal to him. Oh, praise the Lord. Every one of you, when you start looking for a companion, you're not looking for somebody that is worse looking than you. Come on, help me. You can look for somebody that you think is, you know, well, kind of comparable. It's not hard to look in the mirror and see what you look like. Come on, help me. You think Jesus is going to have a bride that's inferior to himself? He's perfect in beauty. I mean, I believe his bride will be. He's perfect in power. How many believe his bride will be? He's perfect in health. I hesitate on this one. How many believe his bride will be? Why? Because he's going to have a church without spot, sin, wrinkle, confusion, or blemish, sickness. Let me show you something. When they took the lamb out of the flock, the lamb had to be without blemish. That means it could not have a sickness or a sore spot or a broken limb of any kind or no deformity. It had to be perfect. No blemish. That was the definition. And he says he'll present his church to himself without blemish. If blemish was a sickness in the lamb, why isn't it in the church? Blemish is not just sin. Blemish is something that is seen as a defect. Hallelujah. 
He's going to have a church without that. Somebody said, well, my goodness, Brother White, if that's the truth, then what about all of these people that have already died with sickness? I'm talking about the finish of the church, not the start of it. I'm talking about the ones that finish up this thing. How many believe the ones that finish up this work are going to have to come to the fullness of Christ? Now look, the preachers for years, they haven't been able to deal too much with the spots or the blemishes. They've been too busy ironing out the wrinkles. <laughs> oh, glory. There's been so much confusion in the church for the last 50 years. They can't deal with sickness. No, sir. They got the iron in their hand all the time. Now, come on. Now, let's get together. We can iron this thing out. So they spend all their time trying to iron out the wrinkles. Confusion. Come on now, darlings. Well, I think what you need to do is get together and talk. Come on, listen, don't pay no attention to what they said. They, they didn't mean it. I know you're dying of cancer, but look, the first thing we got to do is get this confusion worked out. That's what they've been doing for 40 years. They've been, they've been ironing out wrinkles. My God, it's time for us to get these, iron, these wrinkles ironed out and move on to the blemishes. Hallelujah. How many believe God wants us to move on and get these blemishes out of the church? Woo, hallelujah. He's going to have that kind of a church. That's what he says in the book of Ephesians. And furthermore, he says that he will present the church to himself unreprovable and blameless. Unreprovable. Wow. Somebody said, but you know, that does not mean that we will get to the place that we are unreprovable. Really, it means that we will just be covered by the blood. Okay, let's talk about that. Somebody said, the blood just covers up everything, and we'll just go on until Jesus comes and the blood covers it. Let me tell you what the blood does. The blood cleanses you from your sins. And the blood brings resurrection power into your body if you receive the power of that blood into your body, not just as being applied to your soul to deliver you from sin, but receive the life into your body, the fullness of the life that is in the power of the blood of Jesus. And somebody said, we're perfect, we're just not, you know, we're perfect because we're just God's children. Listen, your baby is perfect until it starts pulling whatnots off of the shelf. And instantly you see imperfection. So what do you do? You go to work on imperfection. The baby used to be perfect. Oh, yes. It was so perfect. Why? Because it was innocent. When you begin to grow in God, you lose all of that innocency of needing to be perfected. See, when you're a baby, you don't know. When you start growing up, you start learning things. So now when the baby starts pulling the whatnots off of the shelf, it's, no, 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 no. And you know what the baby does? The baby will wait till you have got your back turned. And watch you. 
Why? Because it's not perfect. And you're going to try to teach it perfection. Oh, hallelujah. Some of you are perfect babies. Hmm? A lot of people in the church are perfect babies. They get upset real easy. Cry a lot. Come on and help me. Woo! Scream. When things don't go to suit them. Perfect babies. Perfect babies have to have bottles. Perfect babies have to have their diapers changed. Perfect babies have to be carried around on feather pillows. Hallelujah. When you grow up, you don't have that treatment anymore. You have to walk on your own. And they believe that God's going to have a perfected church. I don't mean a perfect baby. I mean a perfect man. Grown up. Hallelujah. Perfected in Christ. How many believe that He is our perfection? All right. Now quickly, let me get to this. The two witnesses. We're going to unravel it. Here it is. Revelation 11.4. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. They're brought together in one. Verse 5. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. Now, let me explain to you what the fire is going out of their mouth. The fire going out of their mouth is the word. I want to tell you that these two witnesses have been prophesying for years. They prophesied all through the church system. They stood, many of them, for what they believed. Somebody said, but the people who persecuted them were not killed. Oh, yes, they were. It may not have happened right then, but I've told you before, the word of God coming forth out of our mouths will not return void. How many believe anybody that fights God's word and his truth, that word will eventually destroy them? Amen. It will get you. You may get by for a while, but you'll never get away from it. It will get you. And it may take a few years for it to do it. But that fire will catch up with you. Oh, yes. And brother, when that fire catches up with you, it'll start burning and consume this flesh. The fire goes out of their mouth. Now listen carefully. These have power to shut heaven that it rain not in the days of their prophecy. What rain? Everything God has ever done in the Bible was showing something to come in his kingdom. The rain that he's talking about here is not the physical rain out there. Brother, those who fought against the two witnesses down through the years, they've had no rain. What rain? No spiritual rain. Brother, their land has been a drought and a desert and a barren land. No rivers, no streams in the desert. They've been in the wilderness, the people that fought the two witnesses. They've been there for years. That's why God said, I'll do a new thing. I'll make streams in the desert and rivers in the wilderness. Hallelujah. They have power to shut heaven that it rained not in the days of their prophecy and have power over waters to turn them to blood. 
Let me explain what waters are in prophetic language. Waters are nations. Waters are nations, honey. What has happened to the nations that fought against the two witnesses? They have been turned to blood with wars. How many is hearing what I'm saying? They've been turned to blood. Let's go on. And to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. Verse 7, And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. Now let me explain something. The finish of their testimony does not denote in prophetic language a period of time for them individually. The testimony goes on. I mean, no, God's testimony goes on. It doesn't make a difference who comes and goes. The testimony goes on. And one by one, they all finish their testimonies. And many of them, listen carefully, were slain and killed. And what does he do? The beast, which is the system. Now remember, I've told you, the system of the beast or the system of the devil shall overcome them. Where is it working? In the church. How does it overcome them? Now we're working up towards something else here. And that is, we're working up toward the consummation of the ages of what God is about to do in relation to bringing revival to the earth. And I'll get to that where it involves you in just a few moments. But these people have been killed and what happens? Let's go back in verse 7. The beast shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. Now that doesn't mean that they physically die. Many of these people that have witnessed the power of God have delivered their souls to the system of religion. And after they delivered their souls, the system of religion killed their influence and laid their bodies out in the street. What street? That's the one we're going to get to. Look at verse 8. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Now, most theologians believe that's Jerusalem because of that last part, where also our Lord was crucified. Our Lord was not crucified in Jerusalem. Come on. He was crucified outside of Jerusalem. Don't hang up, honeys. He was crucified on the outside. What city was he crucified in? The system of religion? Babylon. Babylon is the city that crucified Jesus. Not ancient Babylon. Ancient Babylon was only a type of spiritual Babylon. In the Revelation. How many know that you can read all through the Revelation and find the city of Babylon? It's all through there. That's what the Revelation is about. It's about Jerusalem and Babylon. Now listen carefully. 
And the Jerusalem that it's about is not Jerusalem over in Israel any more than it's about Babylon that's over in Persia. Now, no. Not that. That Babylon is no more. And Jerusalem is no longer the city of God either in Israel. Babylon is the church system. And God's Jerusalem is the church. And these two cities are in battle against one another. Oh, hallelujah. Let me show you the opposites. The word Jerusalem means the city of peace. The word Babylon means confusion or the city of confusion. Some of you used to be in Babylon. You were in that system of confusion. Now since you've come out of Babylon and out of the church system into Jerusalem, you've got peace. Whatever the Lord tells you, you can do it without somebody breathing down your collar saying, That's not God. Come on and help me praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Remember how they used to hold us in bondage? Huh? Surely did. They breathed on your collar. You can't do that. Ooh, glory. That's not God. Sit down. We can't have any more of these religious outbursts. Glory. Bondage. Confusion. That's the city that God spiritually caused. Now look at it. And it's the city where Jesus was crucified. Who crucified him? The leaders of religion. Who condemned him? The chief priests? The Sanhedrin? They condemned him. The Romans would have never sent him to the cross. Pilate would have let him go. Are you still here? Pilate wanted to let him go. But you know who, who wouldn't let him? The religious people. Said, oh, hey, no, sir, we've got a law. And by our law, he ought to die. Oh, hallelujah. Some of you are not getting it. Oh, hallelujah. You know what the system is doing? The system of religion is still crucifying Jesus. They never stopped. How do they crucify him today? When he walks into their midst in a vessel. Hallelujah. Come on and help me. When he walks in there in a vessel that goes against their custom, their tradition, their little order, they say away with him. The church system has never wanted a prophet from God. Never has and never will. That's why they don't like me. Praise God. I don't mind telling you. The system does not like me. The feeling is mutual. Tell them I said. <laughs> Woo, glory. 
I don't like the system either. That's why I'm here preaching. Nobody pulls the microphone cord and says, sit down. Or, uh, you're out of order. Hallelujah. I can preach what the Lord gives me to preach. And people are getting free. And the reason Babylon doesn't like it and is squawking is because people are getting free and they don't want them free. They want to hold them under their thumb and manipulate them. Come on and help me, saints. Look, glory, glory. And how is it done? How's it done? Oh, with the law of God it's done. The Jews said, we have a law and by our law he ought to die. Because he made himself God. That was the law they sent him to the cross with. He should die. He's a blasphemer. And so am I. Because I say that God is in me. So am I because I say Jesus is living in me. I'm a false prophet because I say the fullness of Christ can take you over. That's what they call me. And they'll call anybody a false prophet that preaches the fullness of the Bible. You cannot preach the fullness of this Bible and be accepted by the system of religion. They will not do it. All right, let's go on. Verse 8, And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt. Why does God now spiritually call this city where the Lord is crucified Sodom and Egypt? Why does he call it Sodom? Because of the immorality that has come into the church system. Right now they have churches for homosexuals. Pastored by homosexuals. Smile, saints. Hallelujah. I'm not denouncing the homosexuals. God can deliver them just like anybody else. He loves them too. But for God's sake, don't let us put them up as spiritual leaders. Hallelujah. Let them come in and get delivered, can you say amen? Hallelujah. Let them have deliverance. Let the Lord set them free. Amen. I'm not going to ride that hobby horse either. No more than I ride any others. Praise the Lord. God can deliver them. But the immorality is in the church. God calls it Sodom. Babylon, listen to it. And Egypt. Why does he call it Egypt? Because of the religious bondage of taskmasters. What do the taskmasters of religion do? They do the same thing to God's people that the taskmasters did to his people in Egypt. They crack the whip across their back and make them do what they want done. God calls it Sodom and Egypt. The same place where the Lord is being crucified. He's being crucified in the city of Babylon. Listen to it. Let's go on. Verse 8, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Verse 9. Now, let me, before I go any farther, let me explain that for all of this period of time, from the time that the early church went into the system until now, or oh, we had a time when they came out, 
but it went right back in. People have gone right back into the system. Every time they come out, they go right back in. It keeps happening over and over and over. Even the independents go right back into formality again. You know why they come out? So they can praise God the way they want to praise God. They can rejoice. They can have the gifts of the Spirit. And after they're out for a few years, then they start seeing the, what they think is the need to attract the people with money. So they put the, you know, the cap on the Holy Spirit and say, we've got to cool things down now. If we ever shouted, let us keep on shouting. If we ever danced in the Spirit, let us keep on dancing in the Spirit. If we ever rejoiced, let us keep on rejoicing. If we ever spoke in tongues, let us keep on speaking in tongues. If we ever prophesied, let us keep on prophesying. If we ever prayed for the sake, let us keep on. If we ever cast out a devil, let us cast out some now. My God, if we ever needed to cast out some, it's now. Woo, come on and help me. Praise the Lord. All right. So this has been going on. Now understand something. From the beginning, these witnesses have been killed. And where did their dead bodies lay? Let's go on. Verse 9. And they of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies. Wait a minute. Let's go back. We missed something. Verse 8. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city. Singular street. One street that goes through the city that God recognizes. Their dead bodies shall lay in the street of the great city. You know and I know that can't be literal. You know and I know it. The health department wouldn't permit it. Come on and help me. It's got to be spiritual. Their dead bodies shall lie in the street. One street. What street? It is the way that leads to destruction. See, there's two streets. One is called the highway of holiness. The other is the broad way of destruction. You can travel either one of these highways you want to travel. There's a way that seemeth right to man. What way is that? That's been preached as the way of sin. No, it's not. That way has never seemed right to man. Come on, help me. Sin has never seemed right to man. Never. Man always knows that he's wrong in sin. Some of you that lived in sin for 40 years, you knew the whole time you were living in it that you were doing wrong. There's a way that seemeth right to man. What way? The way of religious order. It's the only way that seems right to man. But the end thereof is the way of death. Amen. Heavy stuff here. Glory. It's a way of death. And many, many, there be that go down that way. Many people are traveling this Broadway. Hey, it's easy to flow with the crowd. 
I'm talking about the religious crowd. Yeah. It's easy to flow with them. Everybody says that's the way. Brother, when you turn around and start the other way, you got problems. Some of you that never have any problems with the devil, that's because you're going the same direction he is. You turn, you turn around and start the other way, you're going to meet him. You're going to meet him, honey. Mm, hallelujah. Get off that Broadway of destruction. What is it? Somebody said, well, what's wrong with uh, the religious system? Don't you know they're killing you? They're killing you. How? By not letting you have the fullness of God in you. They're killing you with it. It's the power of death working. The only way to have life is to get out of it. Now, don't misunderstand me and think that I'm telling you you've got to get out of your church and you can't go to church. No, I'm not telling you that. I'm telling you that you need to get out of the places that are ministering death and bondage to you and get where the life is flowing and fellowship with God's people that believe in the moving of the Spirit. Come on and clap your hands for Jesus. Now, I believe this. I believe God has some true churches. I believe he does. And I believe there's a lot of them that started out right and got into bondage. I really do. And I'm not preaching against all the churches. God forbid. I've got a lot of friends that have good churches. I've got a lot of friends that don't believe what I'm preaching. But they always have me to come preach revivals too. They have to have me. Time they get through killing everybody, they got to have somebody come in and make them alive. Hallelujah. So praise the Lord. I'm fulfilling my ministry. They kill them and I resurrect them. Hallelujah. I may believe this truth will resurrect some people. Praise God. And they still like me. They just laugh at what I preach. They think I'm nuts. But they know who to call when they need a move. Praise God. I've got some of them right now want me to come. I can't do it. I'm tired of them getting up behind me, honey, after I get through and tearing apart what I'm preaching, putting people back into bondage. I go into some of these places and preach divine health, and the preachers get right up behind me as soon as I close. I know. Say, don't you let these preachers come through here telling you you can live in divine health. It's not but just a few days till the pastor's in the hospital with a sickness. It happens. Brother, you preach your own judgment upon you. Can you say amen? Whatever you've got faith to believe for, you can have it. Hallelujah. You want to believe for sickness? You can have it. If you want to believe for divine health? You can have it. Hallelujah. As your faith is, so be it. So be it unto you. Praise the Lord. All right, I'm almost finished, I think. I never did get back to the candlestick. Verse 9, oh, I started to tell you, the street in the city, one street, look at it, lay, where, the, where will the bodies lay? Right there. Where are these witnesses killed? In the city, Babylon, in the church system. Where do their bodies lay? You know what they'll do? They'll kill you and lay you right out before the people to look at you. And they'll make a spectacle of you. Now look at it, verse 9, and they of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations shall see. They're dead bodies, three days and a half. 
Now, let's go back to prophetic utterance. Look at it again. They shall see their dead bodies three days and a half. That three days and a half is synonymous with 1,260 days. Three and one half days in prophetic utterance is three and one half years. Or 1,260 years. Or 1,260 days. See, because when you take three and one half years in God's language, you have 1,260 days. 1,260 days can be 1,260 years. For three and a half days, same period of time that they prophesied, that was in the Roman church system. Now, what are we experiencing today? We're coming up here to a period of time that is three and one half years. I believe that. I may be wrong about that. I'm willing to say I might be wrong. And maybe I'm still holding on to it just because of things that we've been taught. But if we've got a period of three and one half years, that period of three and one half years is going to be reserved for one purpose. And that's for the church to walk out in the fullness and the power of God and prophesy just like Jesus prophesied to the Pharisees of his day. God is going to have a church that matches the power of Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Now look, let me just show you this. This will ring a bell with you. It says, And shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in the graves. Now what does that mean? Even though they kill these people spiritually, they will never let the thing be buried. Let me see what I'm saying. They will forever and continue to preach against these people that want to manifest the power of God. And they'll lay right out there in the street of that church. And the people will look at the ones who used to have the power of God. And now the system has killed them. And there's a lot of people laying in the street of that city, honey, that loves God and wants the power of God. But they're afraid. That's why that there's going to have to be a voice in Babylon that says, Come out of her, my people. Hallelujah. How many believe God is going to raise up a voice that's going to pull those people out of there? Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Now this here will ring a bell. I, I didn't really get to what I wanted to there. Verse 10. This is going to get heavy, heavy, heavy right now. And they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry. Look, wait a minute. And shall send gifts one to another. Because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt on the earth. What does that mean? Did it ever occur to you what people of the world celebrate every year at Christmas? They are celebrating what to them is really a dead Christ. Christ is not alive as far as you're concerned until he comes alive in you. Somebody said, but isn't he alive? Sure, he's alive. But as far as you're concerned, he can do nothing for you. 
until he comes alive in you. How many people do you know every Christmas that send Christmas gifts that don't even believe in Jesus? Let me show you what the stores do, the chain stores. Did it ever occur to you that the big chain stores are owned by the Jewish people? Smile. They're owned by the Jewish people? Oh, yes. Here we go. And you know what they do? Every Christmas, they hang a star out there on the store and put a manger scene in the window with a baby Jesus in it. And get all of you people in there that believe in him. Spend your money. And then they ring up the cash register the night of December the 24th. And say, wow. Thank God for Jesus. We know that he's dead, but thank God for him anyway. He's made us rich off of these people that believe in him. And then, think about the thousands that go in there and also buy. It's, they don't even believe that he's just as real today as he was. Now let me show you how they're celebrating it. When they kill you, they kill him. I'll prove it. I'll prove it. Paul, on the road to Damascus, he was going there to persecute who? Christians. What did Jesus say to him? Saul, why persecutest thou me? You're killing me. You're crucifying me afresh. What are the people doing that do away with the power of God? They're killing the witnesses of Christ. And the very ones that will kill you will turn around at Christmas and send gifts to one another and make merry over somebody that they just killed. Are you still here? I told you it's heavy. What is the Christmas celebration about? The Christmas celebration to the people that really know Christ are celebrating that he was born. To the ones that don't know him, it's simply a time to get gifts and have a big party. And let me tell you something. There's a lot of religious people that are buying gifts and commemorating the birth of Jesus Christ that still don't believe that his power is real today just like it was when he walked the shores of Galilee. And yet they'll send gifts and celebrate it. But all year they have killed the witnesses. Now, let me tell you what's about to happen. And I'm going to quit with this. Verse 11 says, And after three days and a half, we're almost up to the end of it. The spirit of life from God entered into them and they stood upon their feet. What is about to happen to some of these witnesses, honey, that have been killed by the church system? Oh, hallelujah! What's about to happen to them? They're just about ready to stand up on their feet. Oh, hallelujah! Do you understand this is what the message is doing? The message God has given for this hour is going to resurrect 
those witnesses that used to be able to walk out and say, I'm a living witness of the power of God and heal the sick and cast out the devils and brother the church system, kill them. But God is going to breathe his life back into them by the message and the word and they're going to stand up on their feet. Oh, glory. How many believe God's about to have a resurrection in Babylon? Come on and clap your hands for Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. It's going to be a resurrection in Babylon, honey. Woo, the Lord is saying, come out of her. My people, come out. Woo, glory, glory. Look at this golden bowl here. I want to just tell you that right quick. Two olive trees. What are they doing? Pouring oil into the same candlestick. Candlestick is the church. How does God make the church? Out of the anointing from both of these people. There's not two churches. There's not a Jewish church and a Gentile church. There's only one church. For Christ broke down the middle wall of partition and made of two one new man. Hallelujah. Here they are. Two. Jew and Gentile. They were both anointed. The Jews were anointed. The Gentiles were anointed. Now they take the anointing and pour it into the candlestick, into the church. Hallelujah. Now notice that the olive oil is always prophetic. It's used in relation to prophecy. It was used in the time of Noah when he sent out the dove. And the dove brought back the olive branch in his mouth. What was the significance of it? It wasn't just a sign of peace. It was God showing something that would happen in the future. That when destruction is on the face of the earth, the Holy Spirit will bring in the spirit of prophecy. And right during the time when other people are being destroyed, God's people will stand up with a prophetic anointing upon them. And they will speak with authority. And nothing will be able to stand before the anointed of God. Come on and clap your hands for Jesus. And the ones who receive the olive branch, what? Oh, hallelujah, are the ones who are in the ark. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost goes and brings the spirit of prophecy to the ones on the inside of the ark. The ark is Jesus Christ. He is the protection. It doesn't make a difference what's going on around you. Let the devil rave and carry on and let him kill the nations, honey. But he'll never be able to touch God's people. For fire will come out of our mouth and consume our enemies. Come on and clap your hands and praise the Lord for victory. We're going to be his witnesses. Oh, hallelujah. What is the golden bowl? Ecclesiastes spoke of the golden bowl. He said, before the golden bowl is broken at the cistern or at the fountain. Oh, glory to God. Now look at it. The golden bowl. Gold symbolizes the divine nature. And the gold bowl is holding the oil. Hallelujah. It's the divine nature of God that is feeding the golden oil into the churches. And keeping the lamps and the light of God burning in the church. This is the light of the glory of God that is lit up by the golden oil. Now there's two golden pipes. Look here. Two golden pipes that empty the oil into the bowl. Hallelujah. What are the two golden pipes? Let me show you one of the golden pipes. Oh, glory to God. You want to see one of them? Hallelujah. And you don't know it tonight yet, but I'm getting ready to tell you. Right here is one of the golden pipes. I'm pastor and prophet of God, Harlow White, here today. I pray 
you were blessed with today's message. And now let's pray and believe God for a miracle. Heavenly Father, I bring every person that has listened to the message that you gave to me today. I pray for them, and I send the power of your word out to each one of these people. And you said that you sent your word and healed and delivered from all destruction. Heavenly Father, I send out the power of your anointing. Let the bondages of Satan be broken. Let the powers of evil spirits be broken asunder. Let every heart, soul, mind, spirit, and physical body be delivered from the powers of the enemy. Right now, bring victory into the life of every person, and I command the miracles to be done right now through the healing virtue of the healing stream of the divine virtue and the anointing of God. Let every person be blessed in their mind. Let every person be blessed mentally. Let every person be blessed spiritually. Let every person be blessed domestically. Let every person be blessed physically. Let every person be blessed financially. I speak the word of victory to them today. And I command the miracle to be done in their life. Praise God. Go ahead and praise God for your victory because I feel a great anointing flowing right now. I want you to visit my website, Harlow White. That's H-A-R-L-O. Harlow White, W-H-I-T-E, HealingStream.com. Tell me if you were blessed by God's message today. Tell me what God did for you. And while you're there, visit my donation page and pray about giving a special offering to help me stay on this broadcast. I want to say thank you to everyone that will help me financially to stay on this radio broadcast. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. I want you to tell your family and friends to listen. A new message will be on this broadcast every week. And don't forget, you can tune in to this broadcast anytime, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And God bless you and take your miracle and take your blessing today. I'll be looking forward to you tuning in next time. I send God's love to you today.